0: Greetings, folks. This is Eric Sinrod from Dwayne Morris, uh, joined as always by my colleague Jonathan Armstrong across the pond at Cordary, and we're um, we're bringing you uh, the weekly Tech Law Ten: All Things New and Different at the Intersection of Law and Technology. And Jonathan, speaking of which, some little birdie is telling me you're thinking about tweets or tweeting or something.
1: I am, Eric, and. Uh, It's that time of year when a lot of people over here in the UK are preparing their university applications. And we've talked about this before, but for a number of years, I've done an exercise where I go into a school and look at particularly uh, the girls who want to get into the law and see if I can give them a hand with presenting themselves in the best possible manner and giving them a mock interview. And one of the things I always do is go through their social media accounts to have a look at if there are things that might impair them in their uh, applications either to university or for eventual jobs. And almost always you find something. This year, for example, one of the candidates said that she actually wanted to be an author rather than a lawyer, which, of course, could be career limiting when she tells people in an interview that she's always wanted to be a lawyer. But more damagingly, she's obviously got friends who have a form of street speak, let's say, without sounding too old, which includes uh, profanities, which obviously isn't the greatest idea to have on your social media profile when you're going for a job. And it struck me, as it always does at this time of year, that it's a crueler environment in some respects for this generation coming into the work environment now than it was for our generation, where if we did do dumb things through school, then usually only a very few people knew that. And if we said dumb things in the school playground then that was usually kept between one or two or five people. Whereas now, of course, a lot of this, what we might call banter or chatter or bravado, happens on Twitter. And we've had a few celebrity examples of this. I'm using celebrity in the loosest form of the word recently as well. In the UK, we have a quiz show, well, um, a reality, semi-reality show. I don't know whether you have it called i'm a celebrity get me out of here to be honest it's not a program i'm a great fan of it gets uh celebrities i use that in the loosest form of the word despite um loosely knowing one of the current batch they're not a list celebrities you're not going to find j-lo and uh, j-z in there for example and they did have uh in this year uh, an individual called Jack Maynard. Now, again, I'm standing incredibly old. I couldn't tell you what Jack Maynard's famous for. He's not famous in my household. But he was 22 uh, years old, or he is 22 years old. And he has been expelled from the show and sent home for some tweets that he sent in June 2011. Now, these tweets uh, aren't acceptable. I'm not going to defend them in any way. save to say that at the time, he, of course, was 16 years old. And what he seems to be saying is my 22-year-old self doesn't like my 16-year-old self. And in some respects, ought I to be um, expelled, if you like, now Mm -hmm. for something that I said when I was... 16 years of old uh, of age. And I believe that on your side of the pond, again, I'm sorry to say you're more in tune than youth culture, than, than I am, Eric, that the YouTuber Zuela has had a, a similar sort of um, uh, issues as well with tweets that she had sent that in the cold light of day don't stand up to scrutiny, particularly in... You know the the changes in attitude that we've had post Weinstein, etc., cetera, etc. So it, it seems to me that we're entering this uh, era where it's becoming quite difficult, certainly for some candidates and certainly for employers. I read an interesting article in uh, Chicago when I was over there about a year ago, uh, and it was about a bar group that they decided as a matter of principle that they would never employ anyone with visible tattoos. And they'd had to change their policy because mm-hmm. they just didn't see any candidates for bar work without visible tattoos. And I'm wondering if we're getting a little bit like that with Twitter and social media now, particularly in the sort of under-30 generation where I think many people do regret messages that they send usually late on a Friday night when they are tired and emotional. But we're also seeing that in terms of politicians as well, certainly over here in the UK. There has been, I guess, an expanded definition of what is unacceptable behaviour. And again, I'm not defending some uh, uh, politicians here who seem to have committed criminal offences. I'm not defending that in any way. But some of the comments that have been made perhaps were more acceptable when they were made 20 years ago than they are today. And if we fast forward to 20 years time, of course, many of those comments will be made in social media or in electronic means when they're easy to dig up again, just as it's been easy to dig up these, uh, these tweets that were sent in in uh, six, you know when this individual was 16 years of age and embarrass him. So I don't know what the answer is, but it just seems to me that we're heading for a particular big issue. I think when we're going to judge people this uh, uh, this young by what they did when they were young, and I guess in some respects I'm uh, you know worrying, obviously and and. Um, education is part of the answer which is why I was up at this school a week or so ago trying to talk the uh, school kids there through the risks and obviously we have to uh, try and educate our 16 year old selves to uh, look at the world as our 25 year old selves would wish them to but again that sounds slightly puritanical almost as an answer, Eric, and I'm wondering if it's a situation you're seeing on your side of the pond as well.
0: Well, a little bit of what you're describing um, reminds me about our discussions having to do with the right to be forgotten and how much Mm -hmm. of what you have said online or done that's captured online, you know, will will follow you into the future and at what point are you allowed to get a clean break and, and reinvent yourself? So I think There is a little bit of a
1: tie in there, don't you think? That's my first comment. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. Uh, We've got some interesting cases on the right to be forgotten. At the moment, you'll remember that it's a judge-made right, going back to a case against Google. Uh, The right Mm -hmm. to be forgotten isn't extensive. The courts have knocked back an Italian claim. There's a French case going on at the moment. And of course, on 25th of May 2018, the statutory right to be forgotten comes in, which might help resolve some of these cases, particularly for those who were young when they made their uh, remarks initially.
0: Right. And, you know, I, you know, I teach at the university level, uh, and I have quite a number of students who are between the ages of, actually as young as 17, up to about 25. And when I ask them the question, you know, do you believe that the right to be forgotten is a right that we should embrace here in the United States, uh, they generally say yes. Um, they'd like to be able to reinvent themselves and not be followed by their prior statements and conduct. And then, you know, when it comes to, you know, judging and, you know, whether a later generation might be deemed more puritanical, vis-a-vis a uh, newer generation, I mean, I think that's a good point. I mean, obviously there's certain standards and certain lines that shouldn't be crossed, like as you mentioned, you criminal behavior, you know, needs to be dealt with. Uh, and there's certain sort of moral and ethical values that persist over time and through generations. So when it comes to things like tattoos, you might find this interesting, Jonathan. Uh, I don't know how it came up in one of my classes, but I asked the question, you know, if you want to volunteer, how many of you are comfortable saying whether you have a tattoo or not? Um, And I would say, Jonathan, these are relatively young people. Uh, It it happened a while ago, but I believe about 75% of them have tattoos. Now, some of them are quite visible. You can see them sort of traveling up their necks, but of course others are, you know, concealed by clothing and are more circumspect. And then I asked them, uh, how many of them thought I had a tattoo? (laughs) And what do you think they, (laughs) what do you think they guessed, Jonathan? Do you think the majority felt, do you think the majority felt I
1: I do or do not have a tattoo? Uh, The majority felt you don't.
0: Well, actually, it's all through the lens you're looking through. They actually believe that I
1: do have a tattoo.
0: And now, <laughs> now I'll ask you the question, Jonathan, and I'll reveal the truth. Do you think I have a tattoo?
1: I don't believe you do.
0: And you are correct, sir. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm not quite sure how to wrap this all up, but, uh, you know, you present a very interesting topic. And, um,
1: you know, we're seeing, you know. Just, I think you've just created a great parlor game, though, for the uh, – For the holiday season coming up, (laughs) right.
0: And then, in terms of you know, in terms of behavior online, I mean, one thing that we're finding a little confounding here, and I won't get too much into the weeds, but you know, we want to have certain behavior that we deem appropriate. But then, when you see behavior from a certain person or people in power that uh, model behavior that some might find um, you know not the best behavior, then is it okay for people downstream to say, well? he's doing it, she's doing it, they're in positions of leadership, it's okay for me. And there's a little bit of a quandary we're facing here in our country about that.
1: No, it is, uh, as you say, an interesting topic. I I feel that this is one where we've probably posed more questions than answers. I guess from a personal point of view, I would say um, I'd certainly recommend going out to schools if they have a need and helping teach uh you know the next generation on the potential risks i've certainly found that rewarding and i know a number of the individuals uh, uh well i think all of them often write me really nice letters afterwards to say how useful it was in their future careers so i definitely mm-hmm. recommend that as a as a way forward <clears throat> but i guess more needs to be done as well and cautious caution must be there. Watch. Well,
0: I'll, make one, I'll make one final point, too. When I teach at the university level, you know, I ask the question, you know, should we have more legislation here through Congress, you know, to protect young people online? Should Internet service providers have more of a policing responsibility to protect children and teenagers and young adults? And my students are pretty uniform saying no, that, you know, parents should be more on the scene, that, you know, young people should educate themselves and should understand this. Now, perhaps I'm teaching to a cohort that's relatively sophisticated, these are vis their peers, but I found that interesting. Okay, well, I'm sure we're at our 10. This is Eric Sinrod in San Francisco for Dwayne Morris. My email address is ejsinrod at duanemorris.com. You can find us on all the usual social media outlets. All that remains to say is I'm turning it over to Jonathan for the closing.
1: Thanks very much, Eric. I'm jonathan.armstrong at cordycompliance.com. We look forward to speaking to you again in a week or so. Thanks for listening. Cheers.